And so here's the thing that I want you to see is as, as women preach, there is something that God can do through them and it's something that's life-changing and it's no lesser than anything that happens through a man whenever they preach the gospel. And so if you guys would welcome this morning, Pastor April. Hey, you a great job. I'm glad he doesn't kiss everybody that comes up here to, to preach. Last week, that had been really weird if he to kiss Pastor Bo. Well, I am super excited to get to share, um, bring the message this morning. I don't know if you know, it's National Women's Day. I don't know what that's all about. This really wasn't planned either, but um, man, I love that this house values the voice of women, um, because just like Jory said, women are a force to be reckoned with. We had a women's night this last Monday night, and man, there were 65 women in this room, and we talked about what it looked like to be a godly woman. And so, you know, I think one of the enemy's greatest plans is to keep us divided so that we don't come together in unity. Um, because whenever we do, um, man, we can shake the gates of hell. I want to pray really quick before we get started. God, I thank you that your word is alive. Your word is alive and it is active. And so this morning, I pray that you would take this message in your word, Lord, and that you would divide it and multiply it and you would give it out this morning that every single person under the sound of my voice this morning in this building and even online, Lord, that they would grab a hold of something and that, God, that it would fill their spirits this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about living from a place of favor and not living for favor. You know, those are two completely different things. Living from a place of I already have favor to living from a place of I've got to earn favor. And so before we get started, let's just, let's just go ahead and what is favor? Let's define it. Let's put some words around it. You know, in the New Testament, favor is translated charis. And it's interchanged a lot with the word grace and really, its most simplest meaning is delight. Favor is having someone's delight, someone delighting in you. Whenever I think about that, I think about my Mimi. My, my grandma, did anybody have a Mimi that just delighted in them, that favored them? Man, I did, and I literally feel like one of the luckiest people around because she was my grandma. Um, and she did. She delighted in me all the days of her life that, that I knew her. So much so that um, whenever Jory and I were first married, the first two years of our marriage, I worked at Sam's Club and so did my Mimi. We worked together. And I'm sure she probably, she was a door greeter, so she probably checked your Sam's card or checked your receipt whenever you were leaving. Um, I'm sure you couldn't have missed her. She was always decked out and had a ton of jewelry on. We'd call her a gypsy because she wore so much jewelry. Um, but whenever Mimi and I worked together, she would pack my lunch and bring it for me. I know, uh, isn't that so sweet? 
I was made fun of a lot at Sam's because I was 20 years old and my Mimi brought my lunch when we worked together. But my Mimi would make sure that that lunch was packed full of things that I loved, that she knew that I loved. She made the best homemade pimento cheese. And so she would bring me a little container of pimento cheese and there would be crackers in there. And she knew that I loved dill pickles. And so she would buy those little bitty dill pickles and then she would cut them up. I guess because she was afraid I was gonna choke on them. Um, But she would cut those little dill pickles up for me and she would put something sweet in there. Sometimes it was a chocolate pudding. I think she still thought I was 10 too. Um, But there was chocolate pudding or Oreo, something that she knew that I liked. And there was a Dr. Pepper in there or money for a Dr. Pepper. You see, my Mimi favored me. One of the reasons she favored me was because whenever I was born, it had been 11 years in our family since we had had a baby. And I had two older cousins, but they were both boys. And so I was the first girl in our family. And whenever I was born, I just immediately was favored by her and my grand-grand and my aunts and my parents. But you know, as parents and grandparents, can you guys relate to that? having kids, having grandkids. It's like the moment that they come into your life, it's like you are just enamored by who they are. You're immediately delighted by them. But what does it look like to strive for favor? Because not everybody in my life is like my Mimi. Much like I'm sure in your lives, There have been times that you have had to strive for favor. And so what does that look like? Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a parent. That, you know, you brought home a report card and it was A's and B's. And it was like, well, why didn't you get straight A's? Maybe it was that coach that your team came in second place and it was like, well, yeah, I mean, that's good, but why didn't we get first place? Or that teacher, you know, you took that test and you got a B, you could have got an A. You know, sometimes striving for favor means that there's just this moving target and you can't ever really seem to land on it. And then even in our culture, in the American culture that we live in, it's like we're rewarded for hard work and we're rewarded for excelling, which is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. But I think sometimes we can take those experiences with individuals in our lives, whether it be that parent or that coach or that teacher, maybe it just be what's ingrained inside of us that we feel like we have to work for people's favor and acceptance, that we begin to translate that over to our relationship with the Lord. And we feel like that we have to begin to try to start earning his favor and his attention and his love, that we don't just automatically have it. Today, my prayer is that we have a shift in our souls, that we realize that we already have the favor of God in our life. Did you know that you already have the smile of God over your life? And it's not because of anything that you've done, and it's not because of anything that you haven't done. It's not because you've gotten the do's and the don'ts of Christianity down. You know, John 3.16 tells us that God 
so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. Can we just for a minute, would you repeat this with me? John 3, 16. But I want you to make it personal this morning. Instead of saying world, I want you to put your name in there. I want you to repeat this with me. For God so loved April that he sent Jesus. You see, God sent Jesus long before you ever got it all together. Long before you were ever good enough. Long before you were ever even here. Before any of us were here 2,000 years ago, he sent Jesus because he already knew you and he already loved you and he wanted to make a way for you so that you wouldn't be separated from him. I want to tell you a story this morning. I want to tell you a story about Joseph. So if you'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles into Genesis or to Genesis 37. We're not going to read all of Joseph's story this morning. We're just going to read bits and pieces of it. But man, I would really encourage you this week to go back and read his story. I've been devouring his story over and over again this week, and I've just been picking out nuggets that I've never seen before. We're going to start in verse 1. Jacob, who's Joseph's dad, lived in the land of his fathers, sojourning in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now, now, I'm sorry. Now, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he had made him a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully about him. You see, Joseph had Jacob's favor from the beginning. He favored him more than all of his other sons. And if you go back and even read Jacob's story, one of the reasons that Jacob favored Joseph was because Joseph was the son of Rachel. And Rachel was Jacob's best, biggest love. And in his old age, and in Rachel's old age, God gave them Joseph. And so Joseph's brothers couldn't stand him. He was favored. They knew it. His dad had even made him this coat. When I read the story, I kind of get this picture in my mind of, you know, Jacob giving Joseph this coat. And I mean, I think probably if it were me, I would have come out and probably flaunted the coat just a little bit, you know, kind of maybe done some twirls and, you know, kind of rubbed it in a little bit that, hey, you know, I'm dad's favorite. I'm sure nobody else in this room would have done that. <laughs> but just like Jacob favored Joseph, it's just like my Mimi favoring me. You see, Joseph hadn't done anything. He was just his kid. 
and he favored him and he loved him. He delighted in Joseph. But you know, that's just the beginning of Joseph's story. Joseph went through many hardships and many difficulties. If you read on in the story, you'll learn that Joseph's brothers hated him so much that they plotted to kill him. And um, Reuben, the oldest, convinced them not to kill him. They threw him in a pit and they waited until some slave traders came by and then they pulled Joseph out of the pit and they sold him into slavery. And they took that coat of many colors and they slaughtered an animal and they dipped the coat in his blood and took it home and told Jacob that his beloved son was dead. And so Jacob was sold into slavery. He was taken into Egypt and then sold to Potiphar. And he was a slave in Potiphar's house. And then in Potiphar's house while working, he had caught the eye of Potiphar's wife. And the story tells us that um, Potiphar thought that he was really handsome and on many occasions tried to get Joseph to sleep with her. And he wouldn't. But one day he had gone into the home to do his chores and no one else was in the home but Potiphar's wife. And it says that she grabbed him by his garment and again tried to get him to sleep with her. And he refused and he ran out of the place, leaving his garment in her hand. And so Potiphar's wife made a false accusation against Joseph and said that Joseph had tried to sleep with her. And so that so enraged Potiphar that he threw, them, threw him into prison. And he goes to prison, and while in prison, he actually encounters two of King Pharaoh's servants who are in prison, a cupbearer and a baker. And while in prison, both of them have dreams, and Joseph interprets their dreams for them. And whenever he interprets their dreams, he tells them, hey, whenever you are um, reinstated in Pharaoh's house and in his service, be sure and tell Pharaoh about me. And so Joseph's interpretations of the dreams came to pass and the cupbearer is reinstated and he forgets about Joseph. And Joseph remains in prison for two more years, forgotten. You know, I think for myself and maybe even many of us here today, if we had experienced some of the things that Joseph had experienced in his life, I think that many of us would begin to wonder, man, does God hate me? Does he have it out for me? I must have done something wrong. You know, whenever we had McCoy 19 years ago, I want to tell you just a little snapshot of McCoy's life. I know many of you know that, but for those of you that don't, McCoy um, was born at 25 weeks gestation, and he weighed one pound and eight ounces. We had Sydney. She was almost a year old and pregnant again and began to have complications with McCoy and wind up having him early. 
whenever the day that the morning that he was born, he wasn't breathing. And so the neonatal team had to, you know, act fast and resuscitate him and get him on life support. And we were just in this whirlwind of trauma. McCoy was in the neonatal unit for a hundred days. Most of those days, most of that time, literally fighting for his life. And Jory and I and many of our friends and family and many people that we don't know fought right alongside of us in the place of prayer. But I remember in those few days, those first 72 hours were the most critical of McCoy's life. And the doctors told us, you know, if we can get past this first 72 hours, he has a really good chance of making it. And I remember Jory and I just, we were young in our faith. We were young. And I remember us beginning to just cry out to the Lord and go, God, what did we do wrong? Because that's typically what we think when we start going through difficulties is I must have done something wrong. I must have messed up. And God was so gracious and so loving in that season that he spoke to Jory and I so incredibly firmly. Not like he was getting onto us, but like, I want you to understand this. You did nothing wrong. And I'll just tell you, for 19 years, we literally have planted our feet on that promise of the Lord that we did nothing wrong. You know, sometimes we just all go through difficult circumstances. When we give our lives to the Lord, we are not promised an easy road. We are not promised that we will never go through trials and tribulations. In fact, the Bible tells us just the opposite, that in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so Joseph walked a difficult road. But I wanna show you something. Joseph had God's favor in the midst of his trials, in the midst of his difficulties. Turn over, if you will, to Acts 7. We're going to read in verse 9. It says, And the patriarchs, those are Joseph's brothers, and the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all of his household. Even in the midst of his difficulties, it says that God favored him. If you go back and read Joseph's story, you know, once he gets to Potiphar's house, it says that Potiphar saw that God was with him and that his favor was on him. And so he put him in charge of everything in his home. 
He became overseer of everything. He was in charge of the whole household. And then once he was falsely accused and he was put into prison, the story tells us that the innkeeper in the prison saw that God was with Joseph and that God's favor was on him. And so he put him in charge of all the prisoners and everything that needed to be done in the prison. Joseph was in charge of making sure that it got done. It even says that the, the, in, or the prison keeper didn't have to worry about if things got done because Joseph, he took care of business. And then you remember that cupbearer and that baker? When Joseph interpreted their dreams, they came to pass. The cupbearer was reinstated into Pharaoh's service. And one night, Pharaoh has a dream. And the next morning, he's tormented by the dream. And so he calls all of the wise men and, and the, the people, the men that could interpret the dreams or interpret dreams and brought them in. He told them their dream and no one could interpret it. And so the cupbearer goes, ah, oh my gosh, Pharaoh, there's this guy in prison. And I had a dream and the baker had a dream and we told it to him and he interpreted it and it all came to pass. And so it says that Pharaoh called for Joseph and brought him into the palace. He told Joseph the dream and Joseph said, God will interpret your dream for you. And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. And Genesis tells us that Pharaoh saw that God was with him and that his favor was on him. And so Pharaoh made Joseph put him in charge of everything, everything in his house and over the whole kingdom of Egypt. There was Pharaoh and then there was Joseph. He was right under him. And it says that Pharaoh took his signet ring off and he placed it on Joseph and he clothed him with fine linen garments. He put a gold chain around his neck and he gave him a wife. I'm curious today, how many of you, how many of us in this room are ready to start living from that place of God, I have your favor and not I have to work for your favor or I have to earn your favor. I love Joseph's story because it just shows even in the midst of his difficulties, Joseph grabbed every opportunity that was before him, whether it be in slavery, in prison, and he made the most of it. Let me show you what it looks like to live from God's favor. I want to show you a picture in the New Testament. It's in Mark 1. In verse 9, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you 
I am well pleased. You know, at this point in Jesus' story, Jesus had not done one thing. He had not done one miracle. He hadn't fed the the 5,000. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't cast out any demons. He hadn't done anything up to this point. Yet, he already had God's favor. He had God's favor because he was his son, and God delighted in him. I want us to get this picture this morning. When I read this, literally, I was just undone. Imagine you're there that day at the Jordan River. And you see Jesus come down and get in the water with his cousin, John the Baptist. And John baptizes him. And he looks up. And this is what he sees. That God the Father is literally ripping open heaven to declare his love and his favor over his son. I don't know about you, church, but I want to live from that place where God literally rips open the heaven to pour his favor out on me. So let's make a deal today, right now, that that's where we're going to live from. That right now, from this place, it doesn't matter where we've come from. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what we haven't done. It doesn't matter if you're the perfect Christian or you have all of the do's and don'ts down. You have God's favor today. He delights in you. He smiles over your life. I think if we do those three things, or if we do that, we'll see three different things in our life happen. If we live from a place of, God, I have your favor, that we'll wake up every day believing. I don't have to do anything today to please God. I don't have to jump through hoops. I don't have to read my Bible long enough. I don't have to pray long enough. I don't have to sing enough worship today. I have God's favor. I believe it. Our prayers will look so much different when we live from that place. I can always tell when I slip into trying to earn God's favor than living from it. Because my prayers start looking like me telling what I, God what I've been doing, what I've been up to. And me begging for his movement and his activity in my life. You don't have to beg God for his movement in your life. He wants to come in and move because he favors you and he delights in you. Our prayers begin to look like resting in a place and sitting in a posture of, God, I just want to pour my love on you today. God, I love you and I thank you for your grace and your love and the favor that you've poured over my life. And Lord, I have these needs and I trust you with them. I'm not going to beg you to come through and to move because you're a good dad and you love me and you delight in me. And so I know that you're going to come and work about miracles in these situations. And finally, if we will live from that place of believing that we already have God's favor, we'll stop thinking the worst. 
whenever we go through difficulties. You know, I love what Romans says. It says, God works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say sometimes. It says he works all things for good. You know, he works all things. He works the things that are outside of our control. Sometimes we go through difficulties because of someone else's choices. Sometimes we go through difficulties because of our own stupid choices. Sometimes we go through difficulties in this life because there is an enemy out to get us to steal, kill, and destroy, and because we live in a fallen world. You see, 19 years ago, God did not give us a handicapped son. That's not God's best. God doesn't give cancer. God does not give handicapped kids. But this is what I know, is that God uses all things. You know, we were singing earlier, Waymaker. I love that song. As many of you do, I loved listening to you guys sing that song. But about two weeks ago, we had worship going on in our house. Coy wanted to listen to some worship in his room, and that song came on. And I was in the kitchen cooking, and I could hear McCoy singing, Waymaker. You are the Waymaker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. And my soul literally began to rejoice listening to McCoy sing this song over his life that God, even in the midst of difficulties and handicaps and cerebral palsies, you are the way maker. You will turn all things for good. I can't tell you how many times through McCoy's life that we have seen Miracles. We have seen him light up darkness that surrounds us. We have seen him make a way where there has appeared to be no way. So today, as we begin to transition the service, the worship team will go ahead and come back up. Those that are going to serve communion, if you'll go ahead and come up as well and start getting the, the stuff ready, the communion elements. Here at GTF, we have open communion. And so you don't have to be a member of our church to come to the table. We, we invite you to come celebrate with us this morning But I just want to minister to a few folks this morning, if I could, before we come up to take communion. And just so, just to give everybody their own private moment with the Lord, could we just go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads? I really want this to be a moment for you today. 
You know, like I was talking earlier, it is so easy to live from this place of having God's favor and then sliding out of that and beginning to start working for God's attention, for his affection, for his love. And I'm curious today as you were listening to the message, if that's you today, are you in a place where you're not resting in the delight of the Lord? Where you're working to get God to smile over your life? As I was putting this message together this week, man, I found myself, I had moved out of that place of resting in His favor to working, doing, And whenever I read that scripture in Mark about God tearing open heaven to proclaim his favor over Jesus, I just feel today that that's what God wants to do in this place to his kids. And so if that's you today, if you'll just, you don't have to do anything, maybe just put your arms out in a receiving posture to just receive the favor and the affection and the love of the Father this morning. God, I pray in this place right now that you would tear open heaven and that God, for each one of your kids, that you would pour out favor on us, Lord. That God, today we would not leave this place without knowing deep within our souls, God, that you delight in us that Lord, you smile over our life, that you love us, that you are enraptured by who we are. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to set ourselves in that place, to live from that place of your favor. That God, that everything that we do from this place would just be worship and praise back to you. And I wanna pray for one more group of people. So if you'll just continue to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm just curious if, as I've been ministering this morning, and I've been talking about being loved by God and being God's. Is there anyone in this room who hasn't yet surrendered their life to the Lord and today is the day that you would like to do that, that you need to do that? God so delights in who you are, but He so desires your heart, your life, your surrender. And so if there's anyone in this place today that you find yourself, Holy Spirit is nudging you to go all in with the Lord, would you just slip your hand up this morning? Nobody's looking around, everybody's heads bowed, their eyes are closed. If that's you today, would you just slip your hand up? I wanna pray with you.
Well, Father God, we just lift up to you our city and the lost in our city that don't know you yet. And God, I pray that you would use this house, that you would use this family to be a light to those that are living in darkness. God, would you use us as a light for those that don't know your goodness and don't know your love yet. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would begin to move in the hearts of the people in our city that are lost and are far from you. God, we just love you and we thank you, Lord, for your favor, for your grace today. Lord, that we don't deserve, that you just so freely give. And God, I pray that as we come to partake of communion today, Lord, that we would come boldly knowing, Lord, that you delight in us, that you smile over our lives. And so God, we just, we love you and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.